Welcome to a bonus series on the Life Giver Podcast. Made possible by the USO, these bonus episodes are from a monthly series called You're Leaving Again, where the USO is following Matt and I during our deployment, and we are sharing our authentic story with you. Whether you're going through your own deployment, our geo-batching, on an unaccompanied tour, or maybe getting ready to, this series aims to be the first of its kind. Real life, gritty, but resourceful content aimed to help you keep your marriage and family strong while you're apart. So whether you're a military spouse or a service member, this series is for you. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, or head outside for a walk and listen in as Matt and I share what we are learning apart with you. Hey, everybody. We are so excited about today's topic, and we are going to dive in um, really fast, actually. And the USO has been um, following us during our deployment, um, and we really decided together in this partnership of doing this series that we wanted to address um, real topics that we go through, but we also know that you guys go through um, in a very authentic way, um, and really talk about some of the tough stuff, too. And so um, as as we are going through our deployment, we're covering various topics that we're going through, and we know that you guys do as well. And so, if you're just joining us for the first time, um, we did an episode. We did a series episode right before he left, and then like honestly, the day after he left. And then we did one last month on parenting. Um, and you can have access to all of these recorded webinars after the fact um, on the USO dashboard that we'll share with you definitely at the end. So you have that link. Um, you probably saw the dashboard already when you're registered perhaps. And so just know that you'll be able to access this again. And if this is helpful to you, maybe for your spouse, if they're not able to watch it, you can share it with your spouse later. So first I want to say hi to Matt. Um, they're deployed. Hey, so, what's happening? Um, we're Hello. covering a tough topic. I know you usually start off with like, hi, by the way, it's always fun to see him on zoom. You know, we tried to talk before the event too, but I know you kind of always have your little spiel that you have to do before we get going. Do you want to do that again? Hi, my name is uh, Matthew Weathers. I'm a United States Army chaplain. Any views or opinions or things that I say are firmly mine and do not represent the United States government, the Department of Defense, the United States Army, or any unit to which I may or may not be affiliated. There you go. There you go. So no, this is a super big topic on intimacy. And so um, we only have an hour with you guys today and you've submitted some great questions that we're going to definitely get to as well. And I want to just um, remind you that in your registration, you should have gotten a, um, a listening guide, a PDF listening guide. And we're going to lean on that guide pretty heavily, at least for the first part of today, because there is some amazing like content. It's like some of Matt and my favorite resources, especially on this topic is in that listening guide. And there's some really important points that are in there um, that I hope will help you. And so um, I just want to draw attention to that in case you can pull it up or make sure you look for it afterwards as well. So we're going to touch on intimacy and intimacy in a military relationship um, is definitely a challenge, especially when you're talking about deployments, trainings. And then also, um, I'm a clinician, I'm a counselor that works with military and first responder couples. And I will say that this is one of the number one topics that comes into the counseling office. It's kind of up there with like external family members, you know, and um, finances and um, communication, which we're going to be addressing next month is like some of like the, the biggest topics and what we would sometimes call 
call hot topics for couples, especially for service couples, because it's, it's difficult enough to have a marriage, right? And to work on your marriage. But then when you go through being separated and you have to figure out how to grow as a couple while separated, it's even more challenging. And so like Laura said, we've gotten a lot of really great questions on that. So Matt, we're going to talk about intimacy. Um, we're going to talk about yeah. um, how you stay connected. And you know, I don't know if you guys saw the funny video that Matt did. I thought it was so fun. Um, but he did a great job basically saying, we're going to cover a lot of things today, not just um, sexual intimacy, although that's a big question. And that reminds me, if you are listening to this and there are little ones running around, perhaps you put some earphones in um, or go someplace, let them watch TV, do something where little ears are not listening because there are going to be some choice words that we are going to be using appropriately today um, that you might want to make sure you have some earphones in as well. So, um, so excited, Matt, to talk with you about this. Um, I know in my practice, we I get a lot of questions on sexual intimacy, especially from females, for sure. Um, it's, it can definitely be an issue. Sexual intimacy just in marriage in general can be a big issue for a lot of couples, especially military couples. If you are on if you've had any kind of trauma in your background, if you're on medications, there's just a lot of things, kids, work, all kinds of things can interfere with your intimacy and the time that you guys spend together. Um, it can interfere with your emotional intimacy, your um, connection that you feel with your spouse, but also the physical changes that go through both of our bodies, male and female, um, over time or because of um, things that you're going through at various seasons of your life can impact physical intimacy as well. So I know you say the word sex and everybody signs up. And so I've said a lot, Matt, anything that you want to say before we kind of jump in? Um, that is a hot topic. Uh, that and finances are the two hot topics in marriages. Um, and there's a lot to be said before discussing physical intimacy. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be um, talked about and discussed. Um, we, do, we live in a culture nowadays that it seems to, I think it's always uh, presented it as a more or a more accessible and easier um, uh, aspect to a relationship than it actually is. And that's because there are so many things which must be said before, before you actually get to that. And it leads me to one of my favorite Greek words in the word world, which is it's called prolegomena. And it literally means words that must be said before. So before we jump all the way into the topic that I think everybody showed up for, let's really figure out what's the what are the foundational aspects that lead up to that. What are the things that have to be present? Um, it's not just you don't you don't you don't bake a cake with one ingredient, right? You have to have all these other ingredients in the right amounts in order for that cake to turn out well. So when we were going through. Uh, when Corey and I, as we've been talking about it, you know, within our own marriage, as we've been helping other people in their marriages, um, we looked at it in, in multiple different ways, just kind of turning it around to see the different forms of intimacy that uh, that married couples can celebrate um, and that sometimes need to be uh, acknowledged so that you can see that you're winning in a lot of areas. Um, because this sometimes physical intimacy is an area where People, to be honest, feel like neither person is actually getting a win, and it can cause frustration. Uh, it can cause anxiety, and that just becomes uh, it, it. It creates that much more complexity 
to the issue. And I don't say a problem because it's not a problem. All right. Because it's two people who want to be connected in a very safe and secure space. They want to be able to celebrate that. They want to bring their vulnerable self to one another. So Corey went on the, uh, on the handout, you've got the different types of intimacy. So what if we start? Yeah. What if we start and just talk about that? And then we'll talk through the four things, the four kind of characteristics that have to be present in a relationship to be able to enjoy intimacy in each one of those areas. Yeah. And and let me just say kind of from the beginning, that intimacy is this um, connection. Some people like the phrase, if you've not heard it before, into me see, like I see you and you see me like into my soul. And that that is what intimacy, a good way to describe intimacy. It's a, a longing, a connection, a wanting to be close in, in a variety of ways. And I also want to acknowledge that, um, while there are many, many, many couples that struggle with this area, it's also okay if this is not an area that you struggle with in your marriage. I think that there, um, I, Matt and I talk about this a lot as far as I, we believe that, you know, in most couples, there's usually one topic, like it's like one topic that is like the topic that you guys really struggle with. And I, we really believe that that one topic, whatever it is, and maybe you have more than just one. And I think it also depends on what season of marriage you're in, but, um, that there's usually one topic that you really have a hard time seeing eye to eye and that there's just a lot, there can be a lot of potential conflict in it. And we believe that that one topic that every couple has at least is there to keep you humble, to keep you curious, to keep you ever growing and searching for ways to find that intimacy. And I think in marriage, that's really scary when you come across a topic that you're not seeing eye to eye on and you don't know how to connect and you really want that intimacy, but it's just not fitting together really well. And I think that kind of scares a lot of couples when really it's not that your marriage is falling apart. It's just like Matt said, you really long to be connected and resolve that issue between the two of you. And you're going to have to work really hard to um, see a little bit more eye to eye on that. But honestly, I think that there is these, what we call perpetual topics that may always be a struggle for a marriage. And it may be always something that you wrestle through. And honestly, after 22 years of marriage, thank goodness, because if we had it all figured out, there would be a lack of humility, a lack of curiosity and, and not much growth happening in the relationship. And you probably would stop trying to work so hard on communication. And so it, it is hard, but it's, it's there to um, make you keep growing. And so when we talk about what is intimacy, it is longing to be closer, longing to be more connected and that everybody does that in different ways. And everybody seeks relationships for different things and different uh, seeks relationships or seeks the closeness in different ways. And so, um, on your handout, um, there is, I want to say it's page three or three or four, four technically, but there, I gave you a list of different intimacy types. And here's the thing guys. Um, there are lots of different kinds of intimacy experts out there say there's any, get this is there is anywhere between five and 40 different kinds of intimacy different ways to, to create intimacy in your relationship. But for some reason, we all jump to sexual intimacy, physical intimacy mm -hmm. as like the, the best way for a couple to connect. And it is a very unique way. And it's a, it's a way that um, can create a lot of hurt if you aren't loyal to each other. And if you're inviting other people into your relationship, it can create the most destructive hurt and pain in your relationship. And in a future part of the series, Matt and I are going 
going to be talking about how to recover from deep wounds like that. However, um, thank goodness that there are several different kinds of intimacy because um, couples go through various seasons and different stages of your body. Even um, medications can cause dysfunction. Not knowing your body can cause dysfunction. There's a lot of things that can make physical intimacy um, more challenging or stressful. And so that's why it's actually a great thing that there are many different kinds of ways that you can connect and find intimacy as a couple. And so um, I'm going to just kind of name a few of them out there. And what I would love for you guys to do, we are going to cover sexual intimacy. So just stick with us, but um, I'm going to just kind of rattle off a few of these different types of intimacy. And I want to see in the chat box, if any of these types of intimacy are, um, are ones that you kind of, um, lean towards um, other than just sexual intimacy, right? So we've already mentioned financial intimacy. Like you can experience, um, you, I believe it or not, you can bond as a couple over your goals financially, over saving money together. There's a lot of people who maybe grow up with a background of struggling with finances or grow up in poverty. And so finances become a place of like security and safety. And so um, being able to save money, spend money as a couple, talk about money as a couple can be a form of intimacy that you grow and, and work together in. You definitely can relate. I'm sure that if there's any kind of betrayal or secrecy or something that you're not together on financially, that it can it can disrupt your intimacy, right? So sometimes you can know that this is a form of intimacy because if you've ever experienced the challenge of when there's not the closeness and connection there or not the good communication there that it disrupts your relationship, that's kind of a good sign that it's probably an area that you can also create intimacy in if you build that trust in there as well. So there's financial intimacy. Emotional intimacy is a really big one. I'm gonna stereotype here and put people in a box. Um, typically, um, women, um, really lean towards that emotional intimacy. We talk a lot about how women need to feel safe emotionally, feel secure emotionally with their spouse before, um, sex. And so emotional is something that, yes, Matt, I was going to do the next three. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, absolutely. And so women typically need to have that emotional security, feeling like they are seen, loved, adored, um, appreciated, um, seen like into the depths of my soul before they get to a place of um, comfortability for physical intimacy. Again, we're stereotyping here. Everybody is different. Um, so emotional, um, one, emotional intimacy is one we hear a lot. Matt, you want to go through the next three? Yeah, so um, work intimacy, intellectual and recreational. I tend to think that those are those are intimacies that um, are tend to be associated more with a masculine uh, um, uh, kind of approach to life. I guess maybe um, at least for for myself as a male, uh, for as, as a man, work intimacy really speaks to uh, my not just a vocation, but it really it's an expression of who I am in the world. Um, it's a living out. And, um, and one of the great things is I've been able to watch Corey be able to express who she is to the world and to be able to live out her vocation. Um, and at the same time, I've also watched her frustration as a military spouse with the difficulty moving job to job to job, place to place to place, having to constantly reinvent herself. And one area, one way that we have we said we we're going to share tips and tricks. Um, one tip that I, and that I can definitely give you is that um, 
I have received back in my love language, um, like quality time from Corey, uh, when I have invested in her and in that work intimacy to go, okay, no, we're, we're either going to spend this extra money in order to be able to, to put you where you need to be, whether that's credentialing, whether that's things for podcasting. Um, I'm going to champion that. This may be a season where I don't have to work as much and, uh, and I'm good to kind of just, uh, to do the job and do the job very well, but not go above and beyond limit the hours as much as possible so that I can be there for her and to be able to, to share those burdens. But I know that's been an important area for both of us to respect each other as professionals and for us to, um, to really honor that. And that's that, that work intimacy that we have. Uh, there's intellectual intimacy, which is definitely an area that we've shared. Our ability to teach together as a couple and doing events like this, like that is a huge part of our intimacy together is that we love teaching together. We have this dance that we do when we're in person together and teaching together that I know what he's thinking and he knows what I'm thinking. And we have this wonderful dance of working together. And that's something that brings us great joy. And so that's a form of intimacy for us is work intimacy. Um, but yes, he was also, I see you there, Matt, you were also talking about intellectual intimacy is one that we love to talk about psychological topics. Um, and I will also say, oops, sorry, I hit my mic. I will also say that recreational intimacy is a huge, important one for me um, because I have such a serious job of counseling. Um, I have over time realized that I need opportunities to play, get outside, do something exciting, do something adventurous and want to be able to do that with him and share that with him. And that has over time grown for me as a form of intimacy of things that we can do together. I see your back. Hi. <laughs> Hi. So am I, am I on? I might end up doing this one by myself, guys. I'm going to keep talking until you're back fully. Um, we definitely talked about this ahead of time, so I know what he would say. So I'm going to go quickly through these types. I want you guys to still put them in the chat box, which intimacy types um, stand out for you. Um, parenting, believe it or not, parenting is an intimacy. Here's, here's the thing. If you have to do something or want to do something with your spouse, and it's better for you guys to do it together as a team, there's going to be an element of intimacy there. So again, if you're finding frustration with your spouse, because you're not quite working together on something very well, it's probably a sign that it's, it's a, it's a place of intimacy. And it also changes up. Here's somebody said that they're really excited about the communication talk that we're going to do. Here's like a little nod to what some of what we'll share for the communication thing. If you are saying, let's say, let's say struggling with the parenting side of things and you feel like you're not quite sharing as like a team member um, with your spouse on parenting, it's a, it's a totally different kind of conversation to go to your spouse and say, Hey, I really want to parent well with you. I really want to feel close and together. I want us to be on the same team together. And when we aren't on that team together, I feel disconnected from you. I feel like there's something off between us. And that's a totally different conversation um, compared to fighting over who's right and how you choose to parent. And so um, that's why parenting is actually a form of intimacy. Um, there's goal setting. A lot of couples work together with goal setting goals together, planning your future, talking about retirement. Um, there's an intimacy. Matt and I have been sharing like 
you know, he's been sending me pieces of land to look at just to dream about our future and retirement. And like, there's an intimacy there. There's like a, I can't wait to sit on that porch with you in a rocking chair or whatever. Um, and to dream that with you that there's intimacy in those kind of conversations. Um, Matt, do you want to cover spiritual intimacy? I know that that's, oh, yeah. So earlier, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a chaplain and Corey and I were both raised in a, in a, in a home of faith. Um, it's interesting because there were, we had a lot of tension early on in our marriage because our expression of our own personal faith was very different. We had the same faith, but just the way that we lived it out um, and the way that we expressed it. And what you'll see with all of these different forms of intimacy and connection is that we learn them from our family of origin, whether or not we learn it and go, I want to model that or I definitely don't want to model that. So when you start backtracking, you know, everybody makes fun of being on a psychologist's couch and then thinking like, so what, you know, what were your parents like? And, um, but it really does go back to your experience, how you best receive love. Um, and in the way that you experience the world in a very safe and secure manner. And so as children, we naturally gravitate towards that. And so when, uh, especially with spiritual intimacy, the experiences that you have early on for good or for bad can influence you in that way, uh, in the way that you approach, um, I tell people, the way that you approach the concept of a transcendent, something other than us, um, you know, whether that's just strictly a, uh, you sense a larger connection to the world in general, or to a higher power, either one is uh, the ability to share that, to be able to open that up. And when you, when we look at all these different forms of intimacy, I don't, obviously my Wi-Fi has been spotty, so I don't know if you've said this or not. But it probably bears repeating that um, we pursue these areas in order to test out and feel safe and secure and connected. And we're going to say that over and over and over again, because if there's anything you leave tonight with, I want you to leave with four words, safe, secure, connected and vulnerable. OK, because those that's the way that you're going to be able to go, OK, this uh, now I'm entering into an area of intimacy, maybe, into, you know, as Corey phrases it, a sacred space um, and to be aware of it. So, yeah spiritual intimacy. So there's lots of, there's, like we said, there's between five and 40 different types. Right. And so there's lots more. I even gave you places on your, um, your, your listening guide to have a conversation with your spouse about where do you think that your, um, intimacy comes from just to, just to kind of, um, clarify that just a little bit. We often go to our spouse and talk about our needs, right? Our need for intimacy. And so there's a difference between, I think, intimacy and needs. Needs, um, if you've listened to anything that I've covered, I talk a lot about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which I'm not going to break down today, but there are your basic needs, food, water, shelter, sex is in there, sleep. Um, there's a need for love and belonging. There's a need for um, being able to grow and mature and find your purpose and your identity and find what you're good at. There's a basic need for um, beauty and wanting to be about nature and creating something in the world. Like there, those are your basic needs. But I want you to think about these intimacy types as um, kind of the lens through which we kind of meet our needs, right? So when you talk about a need for love and belonging, especially in marriage, then you're talking about, well, how do I approach my spouse? And how do I feel loved? 
um, some people call it the, the love languages. And I think that I like the five love languages, but I think that we can expand past just the basic five love languages into these intimacy types and, and really change our conversation with our spouse a little bit more because there are times where, you know, for sure, I need financial intimacy with Matt. I need sexual intimacy with Matt. I need parenting intimacy. I need um, spiritual intimacy. There's all these different components that make you a complete human being, right? And being able to sit down with your spouse and go, like, where would you rank these of importance for you? Like, I would really strongly encourage you to sit down and like, if you were to rank some of these one to like the most, um, the biggest expression of love in the way that you receive it and listen to your spouse and know we tend to marry our opposites and that your spouse is going to have some um, kinds of intimacy that you share and you do this great dance with each other. Um, but there's going to be a few that like are contrasting for each other. And so before we get into sexual intimacy, I just want to say um, after you have this conversation of what are the different types of intimacy for the both of you, I really, really, really want you guys to walk away from today's talk and, and remember that your intimacy type and your spouse's main intimacy type, let's say, are deeply connected to each other. They are um, in, a, in a crazy cycle kind of way. They impact each other. They influence each other. And there's not just one way to find intimacy in your relationship. Again, like I said in the beginning, thank goodness there's not just one way, right? There's several ways, but it's important for you both to be able to acknowledge those really important ones and understand that they're connected, right? So if you are kind of chasing your spouse's love language, let's say, and your spouse is not returning and coming your direction and and it's maybe out of a misunderstanding that they don't maybe crave that kind of intimacy. They don't lean towards that kind of intimacy that this should start a conversation for um, when you feel loved um, and taken care of it, it of course makes you feel closer and connected to your spouse and wanting to lean their direction too. And they work together. They feed off of each other. I'm hoping that that makes sense. Matt. I think it makes perfect sense. And I, the, the image that I have is, you know, when you go to a doctor and discuss nutrition, they always talk about not just healthy, but balanced and that they're, you've got to pick from all different food groups. They, they say, you need, you need to have, uh, what vegetables that are every different color, you know, and I, I always struggled because I only think all oh, bell peppers are the only thing that are a different color. And I'm not going to eat all those different colors of bell peppers. So I guess I'll just, you know, miss out on the orange and red stuff. Um, so, but with these intimacies, you've got to have that balance to it in order for all of the rest of it to be going well. If you're, if you're experiencing like a major issue in one area, take a good hard look at all the other areas that are not as difficult as that one area, and then go and then figure out how are we going to come together in those areas, you know, specifically financial intimacy. And I'll just pull that out and tease that out for a second. Um, if you're having a difficulty coming together and feeling, you know, safe with your finances together, take a hard look at what you both use finances for. Each one of these, each one of these intimacies is a is a topic. It's an area, but it's something that we as humans use in order to uh, interact with the world. Spiritually, we we use spiritual intimacy to figure ourselves out, to figure the world out. Financially, we use it to find safety or security. Uh, to be able to create a level of predictability, uh, to hedge our bets against uh, the unpredictability of the world uh, or the military, as it were. Um, and so 
figure out what you're using that intimacy for, what kind of message you're trying to speak into your life with that. Because if you don't know what that message is, if you don't know why you're actually going to that area, you can't ever expect your spouse to be able to speak it well, because you haven't told them how to speak that language, or you don't even know why it matters. And so really, it's just two blind people trying to figure their way out in the world when they don't even really know what matters, you know, and it comes down with parenting. Every different season of parenting intimacy is different. You know, maybe you had life was great up until middle school. And then all of a sudden middle school, your issues start coming up as you watch your middle school or going through middle school. And you're like, what, you know, what changed? Um, so you got to figure out, you know, uh, for yourself and, and be able to communicate with your spouse. It goes to one of the four points that we talked about. And if you want to move on to that, love we can um which you know is knowing yourself and knowing the other um and and there's there's a couple of things in the way that we phrase that that you know knowing yourself is very important because you can't expect anybody to be able to know you if you don't know you you're responsible for being able to communicate adequately uh to articulate effectively uh what things matter to you and why they matter um why they matter is is just if not more important because it enables another person to um, to understand the depth of meaning within that part, right? But then to know the other. Um, when I say the other, there's, you know, it presumes that you're not enmeshed. You know, when we talk about intimacy, too often I think people think about two people just becoming completely enmeshed and wrapped around one another, like two tree, the, the roots of two trees. Um, and while that's a beautiful image, uh, there can be too much enmeshment that doesn't allow for enough chemistry in some of these areas. And the playfulness that, that we all experience is where we begin dating early on in our relationships. So you have to allow the other person to be an other than you, to be different. And part of that is to actually acknowledge the difference, to celebrate the difference at times, to be respectful of the difference, and to understand it. So know yourself, but also know the other and treat them as an other. Yes. And so these are what we're covering right now. Are, here's how you build intimacy. So number one, emotional vulnerability and security. So it takes you, mm -hmm. um, you know, we use the word exposing yourself and I'm not necessarily, although that includes like physical intimacy, it's also about like emotionally making yourself mm -hmm. vulnerable. And I mean, even when you talk about like, um, I'll just use one that you would think is not a vulnerable thing, but like recreational intimacy, like to, ex to expose that part of you to say, you know, I need to have fun. I need to play. That's a vulnerable conversation. It's still a vulnerable, um, presenting yourself to your spouse to say, I'm, I'm kind of sharing this need with you and, and the, the why behind it, like Matt was talking about. So in order to build more intimacy, whether it's sexual intimacy or any of these other ones, it requires that emotional vulnerability. It requires that knowledge of you and why you're feeling the way that you are being able to communicate, knowing yourself, you know, you could apply that physically. Like it's very important that you know your body and know how your body works in order to um, make sex work. Right. I can't tell you how many people I work with and I'm normalizing this for anybody who's listening right now. I cannot tell you how many people I've worked with who struggle in the area, area of sex or sexual intimacy with their marriage because they grew up within a lifestyle where they just were not taught. And women, our culture, women, we don't teach 
other women. We don't teach the village about our bodies, how they work or what we're supposed to do with them. And so women typically get married and then are trying to figure it out or spend their adolescence trying to figure it out and still don't know. Um, I was personally shocked when I was working with adolescent girls that even though they were going through um, being taught in school about their anatomy, that they still did not know it. So it's very important, even as parents, to be able to um, encourage just knowing yourself. And I'm not saying doing that in, in destructive ways, but it also means that if you're talking about emotional intimacy, that you know yourself well enough that you can communicate what it is that you need to communicate to your spouse. But it is also about you understanding and knowing your spouse or your partner. Again, that comes down to communication and hearing and having a willingness to learn, a willingness to listen, and a willingness to um, accept the fact that your spouse is different from you. Um, it also requires a courageous and adventurous spirit. And that's really tough for some forms of intimacy if if that feels unsafe for you. And we're going to answer a few of those questions here in just a minute. So I'm going to circle back to that courageous adventurous here in a few minutes, but it does require that for building intimacy, you have to be willing to be curious. You have to be willing to stretch yourself just a little bit. You have to lean towards your spouse um, and what they're saying is important to them. And that will always create a little bit of uncomfortability. Um, we're not talking about swinging the pendulum to like unsafe and destructive things. We're talking about just a little bit of stretching that's happening. Yeah, Matt, go ahead. I think it's funny now that, I mean, usually when we're teaching, I can just kind of nudge you. I know. And when I'm like, I just want to say a little something. Now I'm like, I have to raise my hand, teacher. So I've, I'm like, I'm like in high school Zoom class. Like I'd like to answer. Um, I'd like to uh, expand on courageous and adventurous spirit, but like a, a phrase just crossed my brain. I wanted to share um, when you were talking about, um, you know, figuring yourself out as a teenager or as a young adult for anybody that, you know, is trying to understand themselves. Being sexualized is not the same as experiencing sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so you can't equate, no one can equate the two that just having had the experience doesn't mean that you actually experience the intimacy that is supposed to actually be there to be able to be seen in that way. Um, so just wanted to differentiate those two. And I think you said it eloquently and just wanted to kind of put a bow on it with that phrase. Um, I love Brene Brown's uh, explanation of courageous, which it literally means to live, to, to tell your story with your whole heart. Okay. Um, and so when you're telling your story with your whole heart, um, you're, you're really putting yourself out there. Um, and it goes back to knowing yourself and to be able to explain yourself and to be able to explain your why. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Um, so it's not just a matter of like going out and doing crazy things like being, you know, financially irresponsible, you know, it's not just a matter of like being an irresponsible or an irrational parent. Um, really, it just means really digging deep and living, living your life out with your whole heart. If you're not doing that, you're not, you're not, you're not really kind of intimate with yourself because you're kind of living that split life. And if you're not intimate with yourself in your heart, um, then you can't really be intimate with an other because you don't really know what's going on there inside of you. So tell your story with your whole heart. I was going to say, I think that's the most important statement that we could have said this whole webinar. You're welcome. Um, 
which, which it, again, to live wholeheartedly. Um, mm-hmm. and that when you find yourself really struggling with something to, to, even if you have to go get professional help to kind of understand what's, what's blocking that. I do see a couple of your questions and statements in, um, mm-hmm the chat. Um, but I would love if you have an actual question, um, that you can even send it to me directly so that I can understand what you're asking, because some of them are a little bit vague and I want to make sure I understand what you're asking. Um, okay. So I do want to cover, and we'll kind of expand on what we just said here in just a minute as we go through questions, but I do want us to cover some of the sexual intimacy, um, parts of the, um, listening guide that are really important. This is, um, a collection of, of information that Matt and I have collected over time. Um, but also from some of the leading, um, sex experts that are out there, especially as it relates to military couples, when you're spending time apart. So I'm going to kind of go through this quickly so we can get to some of our questions. Um, but I just want to say, first of all, if you are spending, um, almost half and half time apart and together with your spouse. There's a lot of couples that say to me, I, we've spent an equal amount of time married as we have apart and that you are normal within the military culture. Can I just say that, that, um, cause a lot of couples are like, this is terrible. We're only spending like half of our time together. And I just want to say within the military culture, that is a more of the norm. And while that's really, it puts a a burden and a challenge um, on us as military couples within our culture, it's not uncommon. And it requires a lot of creativity to stay connected in all these forms of different kinds of intimacy to especially make up for the times that you can't physically be present with each other. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to normalize that. First of all, I also gave you a quote from Dr. Doug Rosenau. Um, we know him personally, Matt, especially knows him personally. He's one of the leading experts in sex therapy, um, has an amazing book. I think it's called, um, from what is it? Uh, celebration of sex celebration of sex um and that's a fantastic book especially if you're trying to grow in that area and it's an area of uncomfortability for you um he is one of the leading experts out there so here's a couple things that we want to definitely address okay oxytocin which is the hormone that is released at orgasm is known as the connective hormone okay it is a hormone that is dumped into your system yes at orgasm, but also for nursing mothers. It is the bonding connecting hormone. Did you know that oxytocin can be released if your spouse is just rubbing your feet, right? That oxytocin can be released in a lot of ways. You can actually release oxytocin in your body from looking into your spouse's eyes. It is the hormone that is dumped into your system that makes you feel connected, that makes you feel close, that makes you feel seen. And it is an important hormone to all of these intimacy types, but especially in, um, in sexual intimacy. Um, Matt and I recently, um, got the subscription of masterclass. If you guys have seen that on um, Facebook or whatever, I am like devouring all the masterclasses that are in there, but there's a great one on sexuality where she talks about how oxytocin is, um, Uh, also contributes to pain relievers and endorphins that are dumped into your system. I mean, sex is supposed to be a connection. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be pleasurable, but it's also spiritual. And it's meant to be um, a place where it may not be easy all the time. And it's definitely not what you're going to see in Hollywood all the time. And it's definitely one of the most vulnerable places that you can encounter as a couple that requires both thinking of yourself and thinking about your spouse and trying to to be present and trying to also think 
in your mind. And there's so many things happening at once. Of course, that's a lot of variables that even one going wrong can make, make it a very challenging moment. But just remember that oxytocin is a huge part of that. And so um, Dr. Michael Seitzma is one of our mentors and friends and colleagues. Um, I shared in the listening guide that there's a podcast episode that I did with him where I actually covered even in more detail about how to recover from wounds in this area, but also how to connect when you're apart. And he talks about how oxytocin is one of those things that like, even if you need to ask your spouse when you are together, like, Hey, if you could rub my feet, if we could talk beforehand, it kind of like primes that oxytocin a little bit more to help you feel a little bit more connected. Um, but it's a very important part. And if you aren't experiencing orgasms in sex, that that's something for you to definitely you are worth the investment of taking care of yourself and pursuing um, help in that area so that you can work on that, knowing yourself and growing more comfortable with that. So I'm just going to say that out loud. Okay. All right. Number two, this is something that most people don't address. Um, and you know what it feels like if you're in the military. And that is when you spend long times apart from your spouse and you've not had that secure, warm adult hug or physical affection from your spouse after long periods of time. Those of you who are deployed probably feel this even more. There's something actually called skin hunger. Skin hunger is, a, is that feeling when your skin is crawling because you haven't had the physical affection from your spouse in a really long time and your body has grown accustomed to that affection. And now without it, you just feel like your, your skin is crawling, right? And just because you have toddlers around that are climbing all over you doesn't mean that you won't have skin hunger, right? Um, but that's a normal reaction. That's a normal feeling and experience that you're going to have when you're spending long periods of time apart. So skin hunger is a real thing. If you didn't know about it, I'm sure you felt it before. Okay, Maddie, good if I keep going and we'll jump into questions here in a second. Here's a really important one. Women tend to crave sex less with each day that passes without physical intimacy. Okay. This has been researched by the leading sex and marriage experts out there that the longer amount of time now you, you may be atypical. Okay. So this is just based off of research. We're not trying to put people in boxes, but women, um, typically the longer it's been since they have had sex, the, the, their libido will go down or their craving for sex will go down. We had one of um, the questions that were turned in was a spouse who was saying that she's not craving as much sex, especially with the deployment happening, but her spouse is, and that's because men will crave it more. So even when you guys are home together, if you're spending longer amounts of time between being intimate with each other, like for females, if you aren't thinking about it, or if you aren't engaged in sexual intimacy, you're going to crave it less. Your libido is going to likely go down. Whereas your spouse's is going to go up. Your husband at least is going to go up. Next time on the Life Giver Podcast. Just take it from two people that have spent two, they're part of 20 years counseling people post-affair on uh, post-betrayal. Um, trying to recover their marriages. Um, the number one thing that everybody says, it is all, I don't know how this happened. Yeah. I don't know how it happened. It was an accident. It just started like this. It is, it had every single one of them. So for us, this is just the rules that we make for our marriage out of respect. And in all honesty, my wife fills all my friend needs like more than I need any other friend. 
Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org. Thank you.